episode of Above the Influencer. Today we are going to speak with Emma Green, who is an anti-diet fitness coach and freelance writer. She is a PhD in health psychology and is a certified level three personal trainer. I have no idea what that means, but please welcome Emma Green. Go, 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 go. All right, we are live. (laughs) (laughs) So, Emma, thank you so much for agreeing to chat with me um, and dealing with my antics. (laughs) I would love to know a little bit more about why you want to chat, why we are having this conversation. Basically, why are you on Above the Influencer with me? Sure. So, yeah, the um, kind of area I'm particularly interested in is fitness media. And, you know, traditionally that was in the form of like magazines. We're all kind of familiar with the typical kind of images and messages you get on the on the front of magazines. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, because particularly over the last kind of five to ten years, there's been a massive increase in the amount of fitness influencers kind of messaging and, you know, the, the images that they're using on their feeds, you know, how they're portraying fitness. Mm-hmm. And I and I think it's you know, really important to kind of dig into the impact of that because we're all on social media in some form, mm-hmm. oftentimes more than we would like to be. Um, <laughs> and I think it's really important to, to know the impact of of consuming different types of content mm-hmm. on us both physically and mentally so we can make, you know, hopefully an informed decision about how much media we consume, but also what we consume. Definitely. You know, of course, I am a person in our society, so I'm aware of what sort of fitspo quote unquote is is out there but I'm curious to hear more about the media that you're talking about in these magazines on Mm. this you know on Instagram on wherever other people are are consuming their social media yeah sure so um I think it might be helpful actually um to sort of talk about a bit of the kind of origins of the of the fitness industry so in um yeah, people have been obviously moving, right, in general, um, you know, for, <laughs> for um, you know, hundreds of years. Like that, that isn't new, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, initially it was, you know, very much a survival standpoint and then it evolved into, um, you know, being more of a kind of athletic kind of endeavor, particularly in terms of being prepared for a potential war um, and then mm-hmm. was kind of seen as a sort of, um a way to pursue a particular beauty ideal particularly around the kind of greek ideas about what a kind of beautiful body looks like yeah and the efforts to achieve that i think we forget that movement started as a means of survival yeah now it's as a means of you know attaining some sort of body ideal or attaining some sort of um strength but and I'm talking specifically in the US and what I'm assuming Ooh. is in the UK as well. You're going to have to educate me on that. But I don't think there are too many people these days who are exercising because they need to survive. No, no, it's it's very much tied to kind of physique goals. Mm-hmm. And that kind of physique has looked slightly different over time. Mm-hmm. But in a way, the kind of idea of moving for, uh, you know, kind of physique goals kind of started with like there was um 
as a magazine, I believe it was called, I think, Physical Culture, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but a magazine that was published mm. around um, I think 1901. And that was um, basically the first like bodybuilding magazine, <laughs> basically. And the, basically since then, fitness has pretty much exclusively focused on looking a certain way, right? Like we all know the kind of, you know, the videos or, you know, if you're very young, maybe DVDs, oh. <laughs> um, you know, that kind of exists. Um, you know, about, you know, various types of exercise, you know, like there's aerobics kind of stuff, you know, more kind of like martial artsy type stuff, but all really little jazzercise. Yeah, exactly. You know, all all the different kinds of things. Um, but all aimed at looking a particular way, which, you know, mm-hmm. I think originally was, you know, looking sort of just thin basically and you know that's now kind of evolved to sort mm-hmm. of thin but you know with a bigger butt and you know what I mean so it's it, it's evolved a bit but it's still it loves yes, very... the Kardashian the Kardashian thin exactly yeah so now it's kind of like not just thin but it's like lean so it's sort of you know with with kind of muscle and you know very few people look like that um with or without doing exercise you know it's it's a very um (laughs) small percentage of people that that look like that naturally um but yet it's it's a kind of ideal that a lot of people are are pursuing and you know people are selling you know fitness programs um to to achieve that goal you know there's been some recent Mm -hmm. interesting conversations around um the sort of cultural appropriation of that particularly because Mm. that kind of body aesthetic is you know um typically would be found kind of you know naturally in in sort of you know black women but actually it's now kind of mm-hmm. white women that are you know um making and buying these kind of you know booty building <laughs> programs mm-hmm. so there are some there's some really interesting conversations around that yeah and benefiting monetarily and yeah um, like socially off of cultural appropriation of a certain body type absolutely absolutely and that's the thing it's it's you know often kind of huge amounts of money that are that are are being made I mean there are you know kind of fitness influence whose whose sole income is obtained through sort of selling these these kinds of programs so for them there's Mm -hmm. a lot riding on on it and hence you know the way that they present themselves on their feeds is hugely important Mm -hmm. for them to be able to sustain their current business model Mm -hmm. yeah it it makes me think of like, who is benefiting from this? Like, who is benefiting from these sorts of body and fitness ideals that are being put out there? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, I think, you know, really, although in fitness, it it, it sometimes looks a bit different. And the, the term kind of like, thinness isn't always used. We talk about kind of like lean or toned or something like that you know shredded or or whatever but really it's a kind of pursuit of of thinness really which um you know is is particularly something that women feel the the pressure to to pursue and you know unfortunately largely it's the patriarchy and capitalism (laughs) that benefit from that because you know women are kind of spending the money on on this kind of thing so they're sustaining existing structures they're kind of the patriarchal structures that already exist in society are being maintained because 
chasing this body ideal takes a huge amount of time, energy and money. And Mm -hmm. if you're using it there, you can't use it elsewhere. You can't be fighting for social change when you're so preoccupied with pursuing a particular body ideal. And that's why a number of kind of feminist scholars have referred to you know, the pursuit of thinness, not necessarily just in fitness, but in, in general, as the politics of distraction, mm-hmm. because that's exactly what it does. You know, you're focused on this. And meanwhile, that there's so many other areas of your life that, that you just can't give your attention to. This is going to sound really reductive, but it sort of reminds me about my of my dog. It's like, if you distract her enough, then she won't be paying attention to the thing that's happening in the other room that maybe she doesn't like as much. Yeah, exactly. And and, and that, that's the that's the thing, you know, and and this pursuit is all consuming. It is because, you know, it's, you know, particularly in the fitness industry, it's often you know, counting calories or, you know, kind of tracking macros, which often means, you know, weighing out your food, you know, your kind of mm-hmm. um, exercise is, is very kind of planned out and structured and there's often very little flexibility mm-hmm. around it. Yeah, it's a, it's obsessive. It's all, all you think about. Yeah, it's, it's all these different behaviors that you're, you're doing. And that's also kind of glorified in the fitness industry, right? People talk about the grind and no days off and mm-hmm. being dedicated and motivated and mm-hmm. you know all, all these kinds of ideas so so I think there's a, a real pressure for you know both um those who have a sort of interest in fitness and and particularly those who are in kind of positions of authority as you know coaches trainers influencers etc to portray that that kind of image as opposed to the contrary which you know we typically see as you know sort of laziness and you know a lack mm-hmm. of dedication and a lack of willpower and and all these ideas that we have about you know a person that doesn't exercise in this very prescriptive way 100% you're a fitness professional and mm-hmm. you have these views you're privy to the disordered nature of these this fitspo these views these ideals but I wonder how many Emmas are out there you know what I mean like it just feels as though in the fitness industry specifically I mean I could talk about every industry but it seems like this is pervasive there's no acknowledgement that these sorts of body ideals or obsessive natures is problematic. Yeah, I agree. And I think particularly with the kind of, again, fairly recent rise of, well, I mean, they've been, they've existed for a while, but have been more popular kind of bodybuilding competitions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think that's kind of fed into it as well. And there are a lot of people kind of caught up in that. And again, the kind of pursuit of the aesthetic needed to compete on, on a, on a stage, it's so much dedication and, you know, so, so much extremity in in these kind of behaviors you know and it's not a Mm -hmm. maintainable state really for for anyone to to pursue but I think when people are kind of caught up in it it's often hard to see that that isn't the norm because you typically surround yourself with other people who also are engaged in that in that kind of thing you know you meet other people at the competitions and everyone's Mm -hmm. kind of doing it and I think there's this idea that if the people around you are acting in the same way that oh well that's kind of like just just a normal thing that's kind of what what everyone's doing I in in the past struggled with an eating disorder and as I kind of recovered Mm -hmm. I think it really really opened my eyes to all the different ways that people were disordered 
but in a kind of socially acceptable yeah. way. And the fitness industry, I think, is 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 one one of those areas, you know. And, and there were certainly things I've I've just seen where, you know, I was really taken aback. I um several years ago I went on one of these kind of like fitness um retreats in Spain and it was really fun actually. Like there was a um like an outdoor um like obstacle course and you know but we also mm-hmm. could spend some time at the beach and you know it was it was there's a pool and you know a sort of a, a fun fun week or so away from things and we um on the last night we all went out to a restaurant and there was both the people that had kind of gone on the on the retreat as sort of you know I guess fitness enthusiasts but also you know the the coaches and things were were there as well mm-hmm. and we we all ordered our food and then when the food came one of the uh fitness instructors who was not preparing for any event this was his normal just what he did when he goes when he went to a restaurant mm-hmm. he got out a food scale <gasps> and he weighed every single individual item on his plate on the food scale um, and then a few people wanted to I think he had some something on his plate that other people wanted to try so they were then taking a bit off and then he reweighed it and you know and I remember thinking oh my gosh <laughs> like this is a holiday and this is like just what you do you know it was um really really shocking to me and you know subsequently I saw a lot of similar incidents like that but I just remember thinking wow this kind of behavior is something that in the past I've been working on to get away from right to have more you know flexibility around food to actually be intuitive to you know learn what my body wants and just kind of honor that and this is actually extremely disordered but yet is is something that is just considered relatively normal in 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 the fitness industry and and would be seen as like oh oh wow so dedicated so motivated you know what i mean being on track or on plan or i've just really seen kind of since training to to be a personal trainer just how many of those kind of people exist <laughs> with within the within the oh industry gosh. and it's it's really scary you know and it's you know it, men and and women and it's sad for those individuals but I also think like what about all the other people that see that I don't know if everyone was as shocked as me <laughs> when they saw that maybe they thought oh wow like that's really kind of admirable maybe they would have thought oh you know what that's what I'm gonna do next time I go on holiday you know I, I don't know so um oh my god yeah it's 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 frightening it it really is I think that some of the things that I see you know I, I've certainly I've, I've never competed myself um and would never have the desire to, to do anything like that but <laughs> but I um I know people that have and, I, and I've heard all sorts of stories around things that, that that people do before and after the competition you know kind of like binging on food and yeah. sometimes like before the competition restricting water so things that are really dangerous physically but but also mentally as as well um and I think thankfully there's there's now an increasing awareness of some of the the harms of doing that in the in the fitness industry but I think still yeah so many people are still focused on aesthetics because I think some people can't almost imagine exercising for any other reason you know um, which is sad. Yeah, it's it is sad because movement is is beautiful and it is something mm. that everyone can enjoy no matter what your ability in some way or another. Yep. And that kind of brings me to my next question, which is how do we move without 
having these pressures. I mean, obviously, we don't live in a vacuum. We can't be like, you know what, today I'm gonna move my body because I just want to feel good, not because I feel like I want to get thin or not because I feel like I want to get buff. But I'm wondering how do we reframe and how do we analyze our want to move and our need to move? Yeah. I mean, I think it can be really helpful to take a step back from whatever it is you're currently doing and try a bunch of different activities. You know, maybe it's stuff that you enjoyed when you were younger. Maybe it's stuff that you've never tried before, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Maybe it's group classes. Maybe it's stuff you can do on your own, you know, whatever. I mean, again, obviously, given the current (laughs) circumstances, that may be limited. But whatever is um, accessible to you at the moment. And I think figure out what it is that you actually enjoy. Like, just think think about as you're doing the movement, is this enjoyable? Uh, you know, have a think, how do you feel afterwards? You know, do you feel calm? Do you feel energized? Probably different things for different types of exercise, right? You might do, I don't know, a yoga class and you feel, you know, really kind of zen afterwards, right? Or And you do, mm-hmm. I don't know, something like um, maybe you go for a swim or something and you feel really energized afterwards. So it might be different kinds of feelings you get and you might you know might do something and you find you hate it you know I know a lot of people that do these kind of like hit classes and absolutely hate it (laughs) but but I think it's it's good to do that and just be really honest with yourself you know it can be helpful to maybe jot it down or, or whatever and just figure out what it is that you like and what it is that you don't like I think it's really helpful I think to have that knowledge and I think should be really empowering because that's something that you've figured out about yourself Mm -hmm. and then I think you know when you then come to choosing exercise you can think how do I want to feel do I want to feel calm okay so I know that this kind of exercise is something that helps me feel calm okay you know I want to feel energized this is the kind of thing I can do to achieve that feeling you know so you've got your your new kind of end point and you can then choose exercises based based on that Mm -hmm. and also remind yourself that rest is not only an option but it's essential like everyone needs to rest you can't go all out all the time that is just a recipe for burnout really and I think once Mm -hmm. you become a bit more in tune with how your body feels during and after exercise you also develop that ability to tune in to how your body feels more generally Mm. right like you can tell oh you know what I've I've woken up today and this doesn't feel great my my back feels a bit sore you know what I'm just going to do some stretching or I'm not going to do anything I'm going to just you know Mm -hmm. chill on on the sofa today whatever it is but I but I think it's it is this kind of process of, of just learning a bit more about your body and what feels good you know and what doesn't feel good and you know I think also it's seeking out instructors and studios and gyms and things that as much as possible focus on the enjoyment of exercise and the kind of non-aesthetic benefits so strength flexibility you know um you know sort of cardiovascular health yeah rather than it being about how you look because if you're going to a class and you're having that constantly reinforced that you're doing this to look a certain way that's really hard to switch off but there are instructors out there and in, in studios and gyms where even if they're not explicit about it you can find out you take a class and you think oh actually you know what I really like that instructor they focused on on this kind of thing because it makes it a lot more enjoyable you know it means that you're a lot more likely to, to go back and hopefully that just helps to mm-hmm. reaffirm your own focus on how your body feels during exercise rather than 
how it looks. Yeah. And I, and I want to caveat as well. And this is like, goes along with what you're saying that, I mean, you're the professional, so correct me here, but I think that especially in the U S there's this idea that a hit class is the only way to get movement in your life or uh, some sort of organized exercise is the only way to move. And even if the goal is not aesthetics, but is for physical health or for, you know, mental health, there's this idea that it has to be this painful, grueling experience in order for it to be beneficial. Yeah, completely. And yeah, that's that's not true at all. Like, I mean, there are specific benefits that you get of, of different types of exercise, for sure. And they're like very high intensity exercise. Yeah, there are there are certain kind of benefits of that. But really, very few people that are are doing that kind of exercise would need that specific thing, right? If you're a professional sprinter, yes, mm-hmm. you need to be doing high intensity exercise, right? Because your body <laughs> needs to be primed for that, obviously. You know, your training is not going to be chill walks around the block, right? It's just not. For the kind of general person that is is exercising and doesn't have a competitive kind of goal, you can pretty much do any kind of movement. Mm-hmm. In general, it's it, it's good if you can have a mix of something that's kind of strength focused and a mix of, and, you know, with something that's more kind of cardio, but that doesn't have to be the gym. And, you know, it could be a yoga class is strength training, right? Like, it, you know, it could be some mm-hmm. kind of body weight stuff. It could be a circuit class, but maybe just not one that's going a million miles an hour. Do you know what I mean? It can be, you know, a sort of yeah. more, more relaxed kind of format. Yeah. And, and beyond that, it's also like picking up your kids and putting them down a million times a day. Oh. Like there's your strength training. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, you exactly. know, yeah. Yeah. Because I think that there's this, there's this idea that's kind of put out there by Fitspo of the, the no days off and like, you mm-hmm. have to keep moving in order for your heart health. And look, I'm not, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. I can't, I can't speak to the cardiovascular benefits of, you know, 30 minutes of running on a treadmill, but I can say that movement is in all different forms. And I don't think we realize how much our bodies are moving throughout the day just by living. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that also, you know, exercise is a form of stress. And so if you have a lot of other kind of stress in your in your life, either, you know, physical or, or, or mental, you know, if you've got a really, really active job or you're just going through something that's really difficult, mm-hmm. you will have basically not as much left over to be able to kind of dedicate to exercise. So I think that is important to remember. So it might be that at certain times, you know, you have to scale your kind of movement right back and that's absolutely fine. You know, like exercise should be something that enhances your life, not takes it over. It will look different for everyone. We've all got different bodies. We've all got different preferences. And that's great, right? Like it's it's amazing that we're all mm-hmm. that we're all unique. And I think we just need to have that trust in our bodies and the kind of confidence to do something different from what we might see, you know, the kind of typical fitspos doing, you know, doing on Instagram. Because again, you know, they're doing that and they really enjoy it fine but you know that isn't necessarily what everyone wants to do and it's also you know if that is their job for them then that's very different isn't it like if you're if you're moving for fun then 
make sure it is fun. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be long either, right? Like you, you know, uh, when I um, was completing my, my PhD, spending a lot of time, and I had to, sitting at a computer, um, you know, typing up my, my thesis. And so I didn't always have loads of time for movement. So I would just do something that was, I could kind of fit into my day and just made me feel good to have a bit of a stretch away from the, you know, away from the computer. It, it doesn't have to be like an hour or nothing. It could be five minutes. It could, you know what I mean? It could be whatever, mm-hmm. whatever feels good for you that day, you know? And I think, I mean, obviously the, the past few months have been uh, hugely difficult in, you know, a number of different, different ways. And, yes. but I think one of the side effects that has happened in a, in a positive way for some people is that with exercising at home, I think some people have got more in touch with their bodies. And, you know, I've certainly yeah. talked to people who have now been more able to, if they're, 10 minutes into a workout and you know what it just doesn't feel good so stop and that's great like you can you should be able to <laughs> quit a workout at any time of like of course it, you don't want that the shaming instructor looking at you yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely so i you know i do hope that some of the you know the people that have kind of felt more confident doing that at home do feel more confident if they are going back into a gym or a studio or whatever to take it at their own pace you know and and do do what what feels good yeah. for them that day and you know i mean one of the the reasons i'm i really enjoy yoga love the kind of way it makes me feel and I feel really kind of calm and focused and mm-hmm. you know um but it's also because I love the focus um that instructors have on doing what feels good for you pretty much all instructors yeah. will say near the beginning of the class if um you need to kind of take it down a bit take a bit of time out do it you know do a child's pose this is what it looks like do it as much as you want and I think that's great like I wish there was that in every kind of class you know um yeah wouldn't wouldn't that be nice yeah exactly (laughs) nice if at the beginning of like a kickboxing class (laughs) the instructor was like you know what if anything doesn't feel good to you like take a minute here's a modification you know yeah exactly but instead often what you get is you know instructors kind of shouting keep going don't stop don't give up you know and it's kind of like you know I I don't think that's good because I think it's it's forcing people to actually switch off from what their body is actually telling them and I think we should be tuning into our bodies generally I mean again I will I I do make the caveat always like not in a professional athletic capacity because again if you're wanting to be in the Olympics or something I don't know that anyone listening to this is uh is exercising in a professional capacity but if you are please let me know I'd love to talk to you um yeah no I just always want to make the caveat that when I talk about kind of everyone that there are obviously exceptions and if you are you know wanting to perform at that kind of a level there will be things that you do that will be kind of non-intuitive but for the vast Mm. majority of people again I don't think that's the case but I just always want to make the caveat because I was like well my friend who's a whatever you know oh yeah you gotta gotta watch out for the trolls yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah back to the like kickboxing class, non-intuitive sort of pushing. It's like we are being primed to distrust our body. Yeah. You know, to not, to not pay attention to internal cues and to exclusively pay attention to external cues, which aligns so well with the diet culture mentality, the, you know, disordered relationship between food and bodies instead of really focusing on what your body is telling you. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. If you don't have that even awareness or, you know, kind of trust of what your body is telling you, kind of that can be really detrimental. Another aspect, if you're trying to, you know, eat in an intuitive way, that's really difficult if you have 
no clue what your body's saying because you're so used to ignoring it all the time. And, you know, in exercise, obviously, some of the kind of um, hormones and things that are released do make it a bit more difficult to pick up on some of your body's cues, um, essentially, because, you know, your body is mm. getting you to run away from something. So it sort of dulls some of the pain things deliberately so that if you're running away, you can just focus on that right from a survival standpoint. But nevertheless, you can still you know, <laughs> learn to, um, to tune in to some of those. So you're saying exercise and giving birth both turn off your pain yeah yeah yeah. well it's some of the same hormones are involved it reminds me of that in a certain way where it's like you have this feat to complete and so your body sort of turns off those senses so it's interesting that in both exercise which initially started as like we were saying before as a survival skill Mm -hmm. you know your your pain tolerance is much higher because you needed to you know you needed to run away from the predator you know you needed to you needed to get from point A to point B. And now that's lingered on to, you need to get through this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the thing. The, the body does, you know, turn on and off different systems on a both a kind of short-term and a more long-term basis based on, you know, the inputs to keep you alive. I mean, something that you also, you know, again, see in the fitness industry that is sometimes normalized is people who would usually have like regular periods. Actually, they've stopped because they're um, mm. you know, either doing too much intense exercise and or not eating enough food to fuel that and that's again the body trying to survive it's shutting down a system to save energy because it needs to keep your heart beating your you know your lungs and all that kind of thing and it will shut down anything that's non-essential to survival yeah so you know it the body is 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 very smart in in that respect and I think that's you know why it's it's you know, so sad that people feel they can't can't trust their bodies because they they have all mm-hmm. these incredible systems and um, ways of, of uh, you know ways of working to you know to keep you alive. And I think that exercise, I feel, should be like a celebration of of what your body can do. Mm-hmm. Like it shouldn't be this kind of punishment of making your your body look a certain way. Otherwise, you're bad. Yeah. Or like working off some sort of caloric intake. That's the thing that that really grinds my gears about the Fitzbo idea is that, well, you're exercising in order to work off something that you've consumed. And it's like this idea that any food that we're consuming or any cal- you know caloric intake that we're consuming needs to be exercised off as a form of purging in some way or another. Yeah instead of eating to sustain ourselves, because even if we're in a coma, we still need to eat Mm -hmm. and moving as a way of celebrating ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I think for so many people, those things are so tied. And it's it's such a shame because again, just like exercise, you know, food should be a form of of self-care. It should be something that is satisfying kind of you know mentally and physically and you can't I don't think you can enjoy food in the same way if you're thinking, oh you know what, like I'm gonna have to go and burn off whatever I'm eating right now tomorrow or something like you can't enjoy that food like that's not ruined it you know yeah exactly or that guy who weighed his food like I'm sure he's not enjoying that food as much as all the other people who are no no and you hear like I've I've heard the phrase like you know um waste of macros and stuff which I think oh my gosh you know so people literally kind of have this idea that like because something has a certain caloric or sort of macro amount that it should therefore taste a you know a certain way and it's really sad to see 
to see that kind of thing because going you know back to how intelligent our bodies are they're so good at regulating energy intake and energy output if we actually just give them the space to do that and you know that that's the funny right. thing sometimes if we have you know a day where we kind of eat a bit more than than usual for for whatever reason actually we'll probably find the next day we actually feel a bit more energetic right and that might not be necessarily mm-hmm. doing a workout or something but we'll find ourselves fidgeting a bit more or just you know waving our hands around more you know all these kind of little things that our body does <laughs> to to regulate us and and it's yeah it's so clever at doing that because all, all of our bodies have this settling point where they generally like to hang out you know that, that's uh, generally a sort of weight range mm-hmm. or whatever um and it's different for every every person but but our bodies are very very good at defending that they will ramp things up mm-hmm. if there's extra food coming in and if there's not enough food coming in they will slow everything down they're very very clever at doing that self-regulatory you know the body wants to be where it wants to be and trying to push it in one way or another can really mess up that regulation yeah and I think the other point I would just say as well with kind of exercise is that if you are eating enough exercise is a lot more enjoyable (laughs) you know when when I hear people (laughs) say like I hate exercise often my thing is "Mm." You, you probably mm. haven't tried lots of things and you're probably also dieting so you don't have any extra energy left <laughs> for exercise I find right. you know um and that that's the thing when you've got enough fuel in your body exercise sorry food is more than more than fuel but one of its um roles yes. is is to is to fuel yourself physically yes I liked that reframe <laughs> yeah absolutely you've got you've then got enough for for this kind of exercise and you can do you know what what does feel mm-hmm. good to you, yeah. often that will look different to the kind of the fitspos that you see. But hopefully when you've got that connection with your body and you know what feels good, I think you can then mm-hmm. tune out those kind of messages more easily because you've got that trust and confidence in what feels good for your body and you're used to honouring that yeah. over time. And I will say as well, yeah. you know, don't be afraid to unfollow people. <laughs> if there are people in your feed that yes. are not making you feel good, unfollow or at least mute, right? If you you know, if you're worried about the yeah. result on your friendship, you don't need to be looking looking at that stuff. No one should be feeling bad about themselves from their their social media feed, you know, and replace that with people that yeah. Uh, d- do make you feel good I mean the wonderful thing about social media is it allows us to connect with people from all over the world you know um I find a lot mm-hmm. of people I follow are not from the UK right there a lot of them are from the US mm. and but most of my followers are from the US which is interesting right that is yeah that is really funny <laughs> because this is this is a a side note but I have actually found that many of the people that I follow who are in, you know, the body love, body neutrality space are more from the UK than they are from the US. Mm, That's really interesting. We'll have to exchange notes in a bit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, definitely. I'm always going to follow more people (laughs) that are in this space. It's um, obviously it's, you know, still a minority of people, but we are growing in number, which is amazing. I think this is a perfect uh, segue into the food for your feed section. You are making you hungry, baby. Starving, baby. Yeah. In this episode's Food for Your Feed, we're going to talk about Meg Boggs, whom I follow, but Emma actually suggested as the person that we should highlight today. And I could talk about her a lot, but Emma, I'm curious to hear what what you think about her and why she 
might be appropriate to maybe replace or add to our feed? Yeah, I'm a massive fan of um, Meg. I um, I only actually um, found her on social media earlier this year. And then I was like, oh my gosh, how have I only just found her? Like, she's amazing. And yeah, just, you know, for anyone that kind of isn't familiar, Meg is someone that's in a larger body. She identifies as, as fat and uses that as a neutral descriptor of her body. And she you know, particularly does quite a lot of sort of weight training type exercise. Um, she's done quite a lot of cool plank workouts. She's got a few like sort of fun plank challenges and things like that as well. And, you know, she's very much about exercising in a way to celebrate your body. She has this uh, sort of thing that she often puts at the kind of end of her captions where she says like, thank you body. And I just think that's such a lovely way to show gratitude for, you know, your body doing this amazing thing whether that's lifting a weight or doing a doing a plank or doing any kind of exercise you know and and cultivating that that sense of of gratitude that so often we we don't have we take our bodies for for granted um so I I love the way she does that and I also think she has such a good way of responding to trolls because unfortunately people unfortunately in larger bodies do get a lot of trolling on on social media because the idea of being in a larger body and not only accepting that but actually embracing that and living your life unfortunately angers people (laughs) people don't like to see (laughs) people living unapologetically um and so I but I love the way she responds to that yeah and we could have an entire episode talking about how that's just a reflection on the trolls more than it's a reflection on the person but that's for another day another podcast yeah for sure I mean that's a product of the kind of you know fat phobic culture that we live in absolutely with Meg she responds to it brilliantly um you know she um Mm. and before someone posted posted a comment about her um faking I think it was a photo that she had of like a um I think you would call it like a kind of paused plank or whatever and so she did this video mm-hmm. of herself where she held this kind of I think you would call it like like a sort of plank like only a few inches off the ground held it for absolutely ages and then just kind of like stared at the camera and then walked off and it was it was just amazing because it's not easy I, I can imagine to get those kind of comments day after day but I, I just love the fact mm. that she doesn't let it affect her in a negative way and hopefully is a great certainly a really good role model I think for for other people of all different size bodies to move in a way that feels Mm -hmm. good for you and ignore the people that are just being negative because you don't you don't need that you get to you have the choice to move your body in whatever way feels good to you or not right you don't have to move your body it's optional as Mm -hmm. well to wear whatever you want Mm -hmm. when you're doing it as well we all have that have that right and I just think she's she's such a fantastic person she occasionally shows as well some um particularly on her Instagram stories bits with her daughter and things like that and it's just you know for me it's so inspiring to see someone that is bringing up their child into this world that isn't an easy place right you know not only diet culture and all the all the different challenges in general that society is facing but it's just really nice to see that obviously you only see snippets on social media but you know I I find that really um, really inspiring and really encouraging for what the kind of next generation can look like and hopefully you know they will be people who are even more critical of these kind of societal messages um, and images that we see not just around fitness but 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 in general and have this kind of body positivity Mm -hmm. um, I do feel encouraged that 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 will happen so so yeah I anyone is not following Meg I would thoroughly recommend it she's an amazing person to 
to have in have in your feed. I agree with everything that you said. And also just a plug for her. She has a book called Fitness for Everybody that's coming out at the end of April of 2021. So I I imagine that will make for a, a good read for us both and anyone else who who has any interest. Mm. we need more books particularly by kind of people in the fitness industry talking about you know moving your body in 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 ways that are fun and it not being about how you look because unfortunately in in terms of certainly written media that's that's relatively rare to come across so I'm really looking forward to reading the book oh yeah oh yeah Emma thank you so much for chatting with me today um this has been super interesting. I personally have been reintroduced with the new mindset that I have towards movement and eating to the fitness world and have been really struck by all the things that you're saying that are in the media and so appreciate having someone somewhat of a world away but feeling like in my corner. Oh no, I've really enjoyed our conversation. I really appreciate you having me on. Next time on Above the Influencer. Thank you very much for tuning into this episode of Above the Influencer. Next time, we will have a very special guest. Not that all of our guests are not special, but next time we will be chatting with one of the youths. Which one I will not yet reveal, but please. Hold on to your hats and get excited, everybody. Thank you so much again for tuning in, and I will see you next time on Above the Influencer. Mm-hmm.